Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ash Wednesday, welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. We will be talking about the Lenten season a little bit later on. Father Paddy Rush is dropping into us for a chat. If you fussy eaters, you won't want to miss Kira Atwell. And I'm really looking forward to my conversation with... Uh, YouTube sensation solicitor Terry Gorry is joining me in a little while too. But I want to begin today. Have you noticed, have you been out and about doing your shopping, especially in the vegetable aisles in the supermarkets? Well, it's all over the place yesterday and again today. So many uh, empty spaces. I'm looking at them here. Somebody's uh, sent me a picture from one of the major stores. No sign of peppers or tomatoes and other types of stuff on the shelves. Well, you know what? We've spoken on many an occasion on Late Launch about firstly growing your own. Nikki Kyle, our organic gardener, joins us regularly. And about the whole issue of eating and cooking seasonally. I'm delighted to say it's been a while since he's been with me on the show. I'm delighted to welcome him back. He's a very famous man. He's the founder of GIY Ireland. He's a star from TV. He's an author. I have his latest book here sitting beside me, The GIY Diaries. Michael Kelly, hello again. How are you? I'm good, Michael. Thanks for joining me on the show. What do you make of this situation? I know you're familiar with it yourself. Yeah, I, I, I suppose it, it's really good that you're kind of highlighting the, this aspect of it, I think, because it's been missing from the sort of the, the, the media narrative a bit about this problem that, you know, I, I think all the talk so far has been about the fact that there's a shortage of these veg um, because there's you know, very uh, climate-related climate change related problems in, in Spain and, and Holland with the weather where, where these things are grown at this time of year. Um, but there's very little talk, if, if, if none at all, I think, about the fact that these veg that are being discussed, so things like tomatoes and courgettes and aubergines and peppers and so on, are not in season in, in this country at the moment. And so it really highlights for me, I suppose, this, this, this fact that I think we have... Um, what I would call a sort of mono diet now, where we kind of eat, you know, the same things right through the year, rather than rather than following the seasons, which is what I think traditionally we would have done. And you know, just to put in context, um, those veg that we're talking about that are that are out of um, out of stock at the moment, if you're growing them yourself in Ireland, as you said in your intro, even even commercially. Um, none, you know, those, those you're really only sowing them at this time of the year. Like I, mm. I'm kind of here at home probably this weekend going to sow tomatoes and peppers and aubergines and so on. And they're at least you know four to five months away from 
from harvesting them at this stage. So I suppose it just really highlights for me this the fact that that the idea of seasonal eating is just something that we've become so unfamiliar with. And I think we've lost a lot as a result of that. I think I think when you eat food that's in season, it's it's sort of by default it's going to taste better. It's more nutritious. Um, and by following this kind of mono diet as we do now, where we we expect to eat all all vegetables and all fruit at all times of the year, I think we're losing out on a huge amount in that. I couldn't agree with you more. As you know, I'm an El Gardner like yourself, and uh, seasonal is, is the way. But we become ruined by this. And, and you know, one thing that jumps out of me always, Michael, and I wouldn't touch them, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the growers in other countries, but, you know, strawberries coming from the other side of the world at this time of the year, what's that all about? Yeah, well, it's just, as I said, it's it's that, you know, I, I think in the last 20 years in particular, there's been a shift away from eating what's available in our locality to, to being very kind of, we're very recipe-led now, and, and I think the trends around food are very much dictated about what we read about different that are healthy and so on. So, Supermarkets. Um, Michael, just there, we're losing you there. You're coming and going. Uh, you can't just shift to another spot that might just pick you a little clearer. We just lost you there for the last yeah, 20 sorry, seconds. Yeah, sorry about that. Is that any better? Yeah, that's a bit better there. Yeah, thanks indeed. No, continue yeah. there about the strawberries coming from the other side of the world. Yeah, no, I was just I was just saying that, um, you know, it, it's the way it's the way we eat now. We have this expectation that all that all fruit and vegetables are available you know, at at uh, at all times of the year, and um, you know that's it's a very artificial way to sort of eat. And of course, the supermarkets and the modern food chain are very good at responding to that demand. You know, they'll they'll make those those veg and fruit available, and 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 by default, then at this time of the year, um, you know the kind of the kind of fruit you mentioned, like strawberries, they're not they're not in season in Ireland until May or June. And so they have to be brought from somewhere in the world that they are in season, which is usually, you know, um, the Southern Hemisphere or, or places that are much warmer than our climate. Um, and of course, that's, that's fine. But with climate change and the, un, the sort of uncertainty that's coming in around that with, with our weather patterns, that, that's under threat now. And I think, you know, that uncertainty will force us to sort of look at, at um, our own food security as an island and what's available for us to eat at different you know at, at different times of the year and um, so like it, it is a sort of a double-edged sword like I, I was thinking about this before I came on which is that like I I haven't eaten a fresh tomato since November and you know when when the last of our tomatoes were sort of finished up and you've had Nikki on I'm sure a lot and she, she'd be telling you about the season of tomatoes um, and I won't eat them again until my own tomatoes come in, come back into season in, in July. And mm. um, and that that's you might say, well, why would you deprive yourself of tomatoes for six months of the year when they're they're so delicious and so on? But I actually think it's the other way around that when we're eating food that's transported, you know, huge quantities and and there's a very there's a sort of a big distance in terms of time and actual and actual travel between when the food was grown and, and getting onto your plate, it tastes completely different. So the tomatoes, you know, that when they're in season in Ireland from our commercial growers and, and the ones you grow yourself, they taste completely different because they're so, you know, they're so fresh from the vine um, or, or fresh from the ground that there's just a completely different taste. And, and I, 
you know, there's lots of research that sort of says that that, that also correlates with nutrition in the veg as well. So you're eating, when you eat seasonally, you're eating vegetables and fruit that are at their most nutritious. Because like, they're literally, when you pick something from a plant or, or take it out of the ground, it's it's starting to die. You know, immediately you disconnect it from the plant or where it's growing. It, it's starting to die off and the nutrition is disappearing. So it's a sort of, kind of a race against time, really, once you... Uh, once you start doing that, my mother used to say that when you when you pick sweet corn off a plant, you should run from the veg patch into the kitchen <laughs> to get it into the into the into a pot of water or whatever, because it's literally losing its nutrition and its flavour, you know, by the minute. So it's it's kind of you contrast that then to these like I don't know, Montu beans or whatever from Kenya that have travelled four or five thousand miles. Um, you know the amount of time they spend in storage and in in cold stores and um, and then sit in the supermarket and then get onto your plate and actually completely different way of eating and, and I would I would argue less less tasty and less nutritious. Yeah, and and you're so right, and that's why. As gardeners, we know you. I often bring produce that I grow in here and let people taste, and they say, "Wow, is that really what it tastes like? Carrots or tomatoes yeah. or whatever?" And you and I, and and people who grow our own, know that for sure. And the sooner you, you know, use it, the better for sure. And then for people who don't grow their own, what you're saying really is Irish producers who, you know, farmers, market gardeners, or whatever. You know, we should eat seasonally as the produce here in Ireland comes to the uh, stores or whatever. That's what we should be doing, retraining our palates. And there's a good selection, isn't there, Michael? You have to say that. Yeah, there absolutely is. And, and like, there's a tremendous sort of wisdom and seasonality as well that I think we've, we've disconnected from as consumers, you know. So there's, there's sort of, you know, in the winter... It, we kind of, I think our bodies crave like starchy root crops. Like we're, we're we want warming things, and in the spring, we want to kind of feel re, re, reinvigorated and re, revitalized. So I think spring greens, or, or I kind of I crave them at this time of the year, and then then in the summer, like the fruits and things that hydrate, and then in the autumn, you know the the sort of berries and the the things that are high in vitamin C to sort of get us get us kind of for the winter and so on so there's a, there's a real wisdom in that kind of in that journey through the year and it's a sort of a it's a it's like a, it's a circle that, that just goes round and round year by year and I think eating in, in tune with that is a brilliant way to eat and, and I, I I'm not a doctor but I, I also believe fundamentally it's way more nutritious as well because you're always eating food that's at its freshest and as you say loads of choice I mean uh, you know it's it's actually in a couple of months' time when when the so-called hungry gap when things get a bit trickier in terms of produce. But at the moment, there's loads of veg, Irish veg on our shelves. Like there's there's, there's cabbage, there's carrots, there's parsnips, um, Brussels sprouts. Probably you'd still get like the, you know there's just loads out there still. Mm. And I don't think our bodies need tomatoes at this time of the year. So I think it's just about. You know, following that that seasonality, uh, I think it's a much much better, more exciting way to eat. It absolutely is, and I think we got to retrain our palates, retrain the way we think about food and consume, and again support our local producers right through the seasons and seasonally as well. Michael, thank you for joining. We're going to let you go there. We got the gist of it and and that's a great message to give out today. Don't panic about the peppers or the tomatoes. They'll come in time here in Ireland and enjoy them then. Thank you so much for talking to me.
Thanks a million. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Michael Kelly there, founder of GIY Ireland. I have his book beside me here, The GIY Diaries, A Year of Growing and Cooking. It's a wonderful book and it's uh, available in all bookshops at the moment. Apologies for the line there. It was a little bit up and down, but I'm sure you got the gist of it. Louise, as a mum and a, a, a shopper as well and going to the store, and I know you were out, I think, vegetable shopping the other day and you were saying to me, you noticed as well, uh, gaps in the shelves. What do you make of what uh, Michael is saying there to us? You know, that, you know, to eat seasonally. Forget about tomatoes when, when, when the season finishes and, and wait till they come round again. What do you feel about that yourself? I think it... I think that's the way to go. Mm. But I think it is going to be hard um, because we're so used to being able to get everything anytime we want. Mm. You know, like growing up, it used to be just strawberries in the summer and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, It kind of ran around Wimbledon. The Mm. strawberries would start coming in and, you know, my dad owned a shop. So you'd get the local growers bringing in the strawberries and the punnets to sell. Yes. And then they'd go and then that's it. You wouldn't see them until the following year. Mm. And it was the same with nectarines. It was the same with yeah. all kinds of veg, especially if you were buying in from local growers. Yes. And that was it. Yeah, you be- were kind of used to seeing certain things at different times, but now it's just... And, and that's right. You, you would start, if you talk about that soft fruit, the strawberry, then the raspberries would follow mm. there a little later again. And then you'd be into the, you know, the other wee autumn berries and that that would come as well. But but it is all right. We're absolutely spoiled. I, I come back to the point again. I see these strawberries. Honest to God, Louise, they're only imposters as strawberries. And it's no mm. fault of the people growing them. I'm sure they're lovely where they're grown and consumed there. Yeah. But would they travel thousands of miles from the other side of the world as Michael said there mm. into storage then distribution then onto the sh- and again you get home and the other ones I see are those mini baby corns you know those mini baby corns oh my god they're grown the other side of the world he mentioned there beans different types of you know your beans that you wouldn't get them at the time of the year I see they come from the far side of the globe as well I don't know there's just not the same I- and I do think, look, my kids love strawberries or whatever and I do get kind of the, you know, the straw, the frozen packs mm. of strawberries they can throw into their smoothies or whatever. But there's a massive difference yeah. in, say, strawberries that you might bring in to me or that you can get locally in the summer yeah. compared to the ones yeah. that you buy, as you said, that are flown in thousands of miles away. Ah, it's, it's, it, you can't compare it. No. And, and we, a lot of people don't realise that. Yeah, we we got to retrain the, our modus operandi to get into that seasonal thing and consume what is seasonal in this neck of the woods and be happy with that. The other thing is, you know when I bring you into the tomatoes... Oh, they don't even get to my house. I just sit here, don't I? You'd be interviewing guests and I'd be sitting here popping tomatoes. I'd bring her in tomatoes to bring home and honest to God, oh, she'd, she'd bring home her as the empty bag. Yeah, I'm surprised I've got orange skin at this but stage. But it does show, it it, it really Bad does taste. show you that when you grow the variety, and, and there's certain varieties, there's other varieties in tomato. It, winter tomatoes imported are insipid. They have no flavour. They're absolutely terrible. I mean that. Uh, compared to Irish-grown tomatoes and certain varieties of tomatoes, you've got to grow the varieties as well. Now, with this in mind, the best thing to do, as we know, and Nikki Kyle will tell you, mm. is grow your own. Yep. It's as simple as that. Grow, grow a bit of stuff for yourself. So with this in mind, on the first day of Lent on late lunch, we're going to put a proposition to you today. Is there anybody out there who has never grown anything? And I'm sure there's lots of people who have never grown anything of their own. And as you know, Louise, I'm always saying this. It's really simple to get going. And Nikki will tell you, you don't need a greenhouse. You don't need a tunnel. You don't need much space. You can start in a pot, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to start 
Would we'll the see, pot have to be indoors or outdoors? Well, you're best to, you know, at this time of the year now, at the start of March, to get them going, it's best indoors. So I'll right. tell you what the proposition, this is the proposition we came up with, we said in Louise. I'm going to get somebody out there starting to grow for themselves. And what we're going to do is, we're going to send you out to start off a packet of mixed salad leaves. Okay, isn't that it? That's the mm-hmm. first. We're going to send you a packet of me. These are the easiest thing to grow. You, we'll tell you what to do, etc. And you'll have salad leaves in literally weeks. And you'll be, have these salad leaves to accompany, put them in a sandwich as a little side to a dish or whatever. They're so simple to grow. So we're going to send you out, if you'd like to take part in this, a packet of these seeds. Oh. Taste of life. <laughs> exactly. I love that. I love that. That's really nice. And you, you, you'll grow them. So all you, you will have to get a pot. We'll tell you what you need in a pot. A little bit of compost and we'll send you the seeds. And what we want you to do is sow the seeds and tell us when they're up and we'll keep a little progress uh, report on them as they grow and then when you pick them and taste them for the first time. Mm-hmm. How about that? Anybody out there interested in joining with us in this? Would you like the seeds? Would you like a packet of these seeds? Now, here's the conditions, Louise. Mm-hmm. They gotta to talk to us. That is the must. Yeah, you gotta. You, we will be have touch, to take a we'll, call. Yeah, every we'll so be often. touching base to see how they're going, and we'd want you to send us in a picture of how they're going as well. <laughs> and you can't eat them all before you talk to us, like herself does with the tomatoes. <laughs> That's a, a condition. Would you like a packet of mixed leaf salad seeds? And you'll have your own little salad leaves in no time. If you're interested and you want me to send them out to you. And you will have a little chat with me from time to time and send us in a picture so we can see how you're going on. Get in touch with us now. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. Just send us your name. Your contact number will come in if you WhatsApp or text us. Anyway, we'll have that. And just say, you know, if you want to just text our WhatsApp seeds and we'll come back to you and we'll have a chat with you and we'll let you know the what's what with this. But I think... It's a bit of fun, isn't it? It is. A bit of fun. But again, you have to understand if you do this, you yeah. ha- must take a call from us yes. and talk to Jerry about the progress Let that you're know. making They're and up. the problems yeah. and yeah. if they've died. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Or, no. Don't say that. <laughs> They're not going to die. They're not going to die. No way, Jose. They're going to live. They're going to grow and you're going to be enjoying them. What did you say? What was the little phrase you yeah, used there? I can't remember. Oh, it's going out of the head in one ear, <laughs> out the other. Anyway, would you like mixed salad seeds? I'll send them out to you. I'll take you through. I'll tell you what to do and everything you just need a pot we'll start with a pot and a little bit of compost start them off if you have a window ledge if you have a porch just you'll need a little bit of you know a little bit of indoor heat at the minute or whatever are you giving up anything for Lent Louise or are you taking up something would, would you do the seed challenge with me would you do it have you ever grown anything no because nothing would grow for me <laughs> will you do it uh, okay will I'll you do, do it? it I'll do it Okay, Don't Louise. Don't expect great results, but I'll do it. Okay, Louise is going to do it, and we have others there as well. I just thought about that. You'll do it. Mm-hmm. So Louise will be the the um, OT team leader. <laughs> 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 but uh, well, we will be back to this. As I said, I want to send you out seeds. Uh, gone party. Salad leaves. You've gone party. Yeah, that's it. We're going party on late lunch. That's it. We're going party, and we're going to get you grown. Anyway, if you want a packet of seeds and you're going to give it a go, grown. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five by WhatsApp or text. Um, are you giving up or taking up anything for Lent? Uh, I'm giving up hanging up on you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I was going to give up sweet things, but I have just so many important birthdays in okay. March and my kids' birthdays are in March and yeah. everything, so just not feasible. Well, I am, I am giving up everything that's sweet. 
everything that is sweet I am giving up for sure that's it and my crisps no crisps, no crisps. I love crisps I love, I'm giving up the crisps giving up everything that's sweet for sure and I'm giving up a phrase that I use all the time and <laughs> <laughs> Louise drives me potty <laughs> I drive her mad tell them what I say Jerry says about 300 times a day touch base oh we'll just touch base with this one will you just touch base with that one <laughs> Oh, it's been a while since we touched base with this one and it just, I keep going. I'm not touching base. I will ring them. I will call them. I will contact them. But I'm not touching base because it's just a phrase, an American phrase that drives me okay. bananas. I am going to do my very best not to say it too. Every time he says it on air, I'm just going to go, uh-uh. Twice. I've said it twice already since one thirty today on the show. So it's been pointed out to me by Louise. So every time it's said, it's a euro. Yeah, and if All I right. miss it, if anybody hears, please text in. And yeah, say he just said. I've just said touching base or going forward. No, we'll just do no, the no, touching no, base please don't, don't nail me because you cross have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that it'll be difficult for you to do. <laughs> it will be difficult, but I'm going to do my best. Anyway, I'm two euro down already. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to donate your I think can't. I should I should donate and then decide at the end to give it to something we'll see what I run up in terms of euros and then <laughs> yeah, it, could, it could just be uh, maybe 10 cents <laughs> we'll do a compound interest on it at the end then now my next guest on late lunch it's fair to say he's a YouTube sensation bit unusual perhaps when I tell you that he's a well known solicitor from Enfield in County Mead and I'm delighted to say hello to him on the show today Terry Gorry welcome to late lunch Jerry, thank you very much, and uh, good to talk to you and your listeners. And you too. Well, I'll tell you what brought you. To, well, it should have been, of course. You, you you use YouTube and your channel to talk about your field of expertise in the legal uh, area. But more besides that, how many subscribers, first of all, may I ask you, have you now? I have twenty thousand six hundred and thirty-four subscribers as of today. You have six hundred and thirty-five. I subscribed to you a few minutes ago, so you're up again. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> and I'm putting on. I'm putting on about seven hundred new subscribers every twenty-eight days, which is not bad. It's, it's not bad. terrific, it's not, I have to it's say. Not the most. It's not the most interesting or sexy subject in the world. <laughs> but having said that, uh, people do have an interest, obviously, and various people have all sorts of problems to do with property or employment yes. or whatever. And obviously, inevitably, they'll search online and uh, YouTube features largely then or, or greatly in search results and so mm. on. So it just made sense, you know. Yeah, well, you say that, uh, I know it mightn't be the most glamorous, but at some stage in our lives, all the subject areas you cover certainly come into focus for the majority of us. But I'll tell you, let me tell you a little story. Do you know how we, well, I, Louise found you, my producer, she said to me, have a look at this guy here, Jerry. Look at this, it's very interesting. You, you posted a piece about a fountain pen. Yes, yes, yes. That was one of the more random ones. But sometimes I kind of throw stuff out there <laughs> and uh, see how it goes. And to be honest with you, that has sort of gone viral insofar as I've had a huge amount of comments from all over the world from people who actually love and use fountain pens. But I was simply explaining how I came to use fountain pens there in the last uh, 15 years or so mm-hmm. uh, when I was going to do law exams. I kind of did a little bit of research into the most efficient uh, way to write and I discovered from the bit of research I did that uh, using a fountain pen was probably the best way to do it, most efficient way, simply because you didn't have to press down on the paper. Uh, your, your hand or arm could glide over the paper. And therefore, if you're t- in a time-sensitive 
time-constrained topic, uh, a law exam. It's 36 minutes. You have five questions. It's very, very sort of formulaic. You had to do it every day for five or six days or whatever. Then you were looking for any edge you could get. And this is how I came to use a fountain pen. And I've used fountain pens then ever since because I like them and enjoy using them. But there's a huge interest out there, actually. And as I say, that, that video has mm. something like 10,000 views now at this stage. And f- for my channel, that's quite good, you know. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, medium to write. I have to say, and when you see the writing that it puts onto the page and the style, when people certainly yeah. have a style of writing, there's nothing to beat it, I have to say. I remember, I'm sure you remember yourself, I remember sitting in the uh, hard old desk, no more English, no more French, no more sitting in the hard old bench, and you remember Absolutely. the little yeah. inkwell in the bench and you had the little nib on the top of the piece of timber. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And lo, or, or God, God forgive you if you ever spilt the ink or God <laughs> made made a rock, yeah. the, the blotting paper or whatever. But look, we've moved on since that. But as I say, it, it um, resonates with a lot of people. A lot of people still use fountain pens. And as I say, I've had people contact me from all over the world about the pens and recommending pens that they use. And mm. They've done medical exams and uh, looking for recommendations in relation to ink and so on. So that was a kind of a quirky little video I put out there. And as I say, it just it did resonate with people. You know? Yeah, you see, that's our Louise. Oh, she picked up on it like a shot and says, we've got to get this man on late launch ASAP. Mm-hmm. But the pens, just to finish up on this one, there are yep. a beautiful range of fountain pens available. Absolutely, yeah, and some of them obviously can go get very, very expensive, ranging from the likes of a Mont Blanc, at probably the top end, right down to a more functional pen, like a Lamy pen, which is kind of a working thing. And the Lamy pens, coincidentally, are designed in a sort of a Bauhaus design. If you ever heard of the Bauhaus design movement, it's to do with architecture and minimalism and functional design, and it came from, I think, East Germany. And that's sort of the background to the design of the Lamy pens. So I like those, but I like the other German pens then as well, like the Pelicans and so on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I saw you out as well the other day flying your drone. Will you wear, now, I want to emphasise, this man wasn't near the airport. Nothing to I, do I with that. I have an alibi. I have an alibi. I even have a video to prove I was down at the Lakes Mullingar at the time. So I can't be held responsible for what happened or what goes on at the Dublin airport. Yeah, I bought a drone there at Christmas time and I've had good old fun flying it since. Now I've had my scrapes and so on but to be honest with you the scrapes make good stories for for the YouTube videos because nobody wants to see sort of seamless success. They want to see failure and strife and struggle and if you see me flying the the drone will you see plenty of strife and struggle? (laughs) I know Earl well. I've winkled many a trout out of it in my day on the fly down there. It's a lovely lake lock Earl so it is. uh, Absolutely. Well I I lost my first drone there but after about a fortnight in the River Boyne at at, uh, I think Leinster Bridge between Enfield and Clannard because I didn't realise that the sensors were affected by the water and when when the drone went to fly to home as a sort of a default, it actually hit the bloody bridge and, and drowned. So I had to get a replacement oh. in about 10 days. But anyway, these things happen. You live and learn, but uh, yes. it's fun, you know. And, and you know what I love? The music, because you use music in your videos as well. Are you into music? I'm not really, no, but I do know that obviously music is important in, in, in the likes of those videos because you're trying to create a sort of an emotion and, and, and catch an interest. And YouTube actually have uh, a music or audio library and you can use various bits and pieces of music for free, as it were. It's, it's common or it's 
uh, sort of Commons license or whatever. So it's not copyright. You can use it for your YouTube videos. So I do. I'm selective enough uh, and choosy enough about the music I, I choose. And obviously, I'm trying to pick the correct mood. You know what I mean? And mm. that'll enhance the video and make it more make it more appealing and, and uh, click with people. You know. I have to ask you because you you speak about books in these videos as well, and especially do, the books yeah, yeah. that changed your life. For our listeners today, give us a book or two that you'd say to people: "This is a book or two you should really read." One book I would recommend will had a big impact on me was uh, the Chimp Paradox. It's to do with uh, your your ability uh, to well your inclination to react like a chimp, but your the, the task that you're faced in a daily basis with making good decisions and how to react and so on and how to overcome your natural reaction because let's face it we all uh, come from or, or emanate from the chimp. So the chimp paradox is written by a psychologist. I think he's a lecturer in some uh, north of England uh, university. I would recommend that one. Mm. There's another one called Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychologist. He went to a number of concentration camps during the war. He, he was Jewish and uh, he lost his entire family. But uh, he, he wrote a book and, and uh, Man's Search for Meaning. That's well worth a read because basically the, the essence of the book is that you don't get to choose your circumstances, but you do get to choose how you react to your, or respond to your circumstances. And that was the one thing that he took from the concentration camps. Some, some men and some women did okay in the concentration camps and got through them, and some didn't. And, and it was the ones who actually responded or reacted uh, in a sort of a positive way, if you could, to the circumstances who, who, who did best, you know. Mm. And he went on then to build up a very successful uh, psychiatric practice, I think, in America after the war and so on. But he did lose his entire family mm. in one of the concentration camps, you know. So Man's Search for Meaning and The Chimp Paradox are two books I would recommend, you know. Thank you so much. I, I love to get recommendations and I'm sure listeners do too. Uh, the sales in those would be taking a, a, an increase after our conversation right, today. I bumped now, I'd say, the height of it. But anyway. <laughs> but you're a very interesting man. I know that I know the law is the backbone of, of the YouTube yeah. channel and, and you get a huge I've seen people you know who've thanked you sincerely for you know uh, what you've done for them you know with, with, with the absolutely yeah yeah and um, yeah some people are obviously very helpful or very very pleased with the help and assistance they get and that's why I do I put stuff out there but to be honest with you it's not an entirely altruistic thing or a process either I mean I get a lot of clients from YouTube quite frankly and I get a lot of uh, conveyancing or property clients from yes. outside of Ireland. People who want to buy property in Ireland, maybe from America, maybe from Germany, maybe from the UK, and they want to learn something about the process here. And obviously, if they come across a guy on YouTube giving out good information without uh, selling them anything, just useful information, if you're of utility and use to people, they're going to contact you and say, look, I'm trying to buy a house there in Donegal or wherever. Uh, could you help us, you know? And mm. obviously, that's, that's the nature of mm. the business, you know? You also comment on, uh, you know, hot topics of the day, may I say. I saw you were a, a little one up about uh, a fellow called Enoch Burke. Yeah, yeah, Enoch Burke has been very good to me. He's driven my, my subscriber base very, very well. Thank you very much, Enoch. Uh, I have, I mean, and, and to be honest with you, I, I originally covered that from an employment law perspective because mm. remember, 
This started off as an employment law dispute, a disciplinary process that's gone pear-shaped, and obviously then there's rights about constitutional rights, about uh, expression, uh, religious expression and practice and so on. So that's interesting. And to be honest with you, when I put up the first video about that, uh, it garnered a huge amount of views and a huge amount of comments, so it is certainly a hot topic, and I'm looking forward to the... uh, the decision of the Court of Appeal into his latest uh, yes. appeals there against High Court orders, just to see what the outcome will be. I'm not going to say anything to prejudice it, but I will be covering it ultimately uh, in a little bit of detail just mm. you know, to give the Court of Appeal's view. But yeah, that's, I mean, sometimes you, you look at a topic like that, that's, that's uh, sort of hot, and, and you will kind of jump on the bandwagon. But there is important things there to do with constitutional rights, to do with managing in the workplace, to do with health and safety, to do with gender uh, recognition and, and transition and so on. So there are important topics there and people get very, very exercised about them. I'm sure you've probably seen that yes. yourself uh, if you mm-hmm. cover that sort of stuff. There, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, absolutely. In terms of the legal aspects and the different uh, areas that you talk about as well, and I just want to pick out one while we're talking today, the whole area of succession and, you know, where, you know, families are involved in inheriting, uh, you know, that whole area. Is that one of the most um, fractious aspects it of is, law? Yeah it, could be one of, yeah, it could be one of the more contentious, certainly. I mean, there's a saying that where there's a will, there's a row, you know. Um, but it, it can, and, and obviously human nature and human emotions are, are fairly strong motivators, and people can be very disappointed about how wills or how people might... Um, divide up their estate on their passing and so on. So it can give rise to uh, a lot of uh, sort of fractions, fractiousness and so on. So, uh, yeah, they can be contentious enough, you know. Do you know when the legal profession at times gets a bit of a belt and people say, oh, sure, look, it takes for ages and they're, they're always, you know, yeah, yeah. drawing the most time out of things. And what, what, how do you respond to that? Because people look at legalities as an awful lot of the time being very frustrating and slow. Yeah, yeah, look, they can, there's no doubt about that. And some of it is down to the legal profession, uh, but some of it is down to the process as well and, and the right, uh, a person's right to natural procedures and, and uh, or fair procedures, natural justice and appeals and so on. So, I mean, a particular process, for example, I mean, if you go to the uh, WRC with an employment claim, claim, if you're not happy with the outcome or if the employer is not happy, you can always appeal to the Labour Court and then you can always appeal from the Labour Court to the High Court on a point of law. So inevitably, if we're going to give people rights, well, then we have to accept that there is a certain passing or reflection of time going to be involved. But yeah, I mean, look, at some, some, some of us do have to hold our hands up. Some, some transactions take much longer than they should and sometimes it's inexcusable. Sometimes there's a perfectly rational explanation for example, title deeds or, or a planning permission gone missing or something, and we simply needed to issue contracts. But people in a hurry to sell a house or buy a house are not too fussy about the, the, the details or the niceties. But we have to be because we can't leave ourselves open to a claim for professional negligence, which can get very expensive, you know. Mm. By God, you're putting Enfield on the map, young man. Good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> You are not, not, not before time. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. The very important of the universe, then, you know? <laughs> absolutely. But it just doesn't it really show you today, Terry, that you know it doesn't matter actually where you are. You know, for, to to no, no, it's great now, absolutely. Mm. And 
to be honest with you, all the gatekeepers are gone or retired or redundant. They used to be gatekeepers, you know. I, I mean, I have books there for sale, for example, on Amazon. I used to need somebody's permission to publish a book. I used to need a publisher. I don't know. I'm my own publisher now, and my books actually on Amazon sell quite bloody well. Mm. I have one on employment law, one on property law, and they sell well, and I didn't need anybody's permission. I just published a book, and they're available on Kindle, and they're available in paperback. End of story. So things have changed. We can all, all reach an audience now, yeah. and we're all uh, broadcasters to a great extent. Mm. Like years ago, we needed the radio, we needed RTE, we needed whatever. Now you can nearly, you can start, set up your own podcast very yes. easily, you know? Yes. So, we don't. A lot of the gatekeepers are kind of redundant, and everybody can publish their own bloody stuff now. And, and you can, you know, there's great opportunities there if you have the right attitude. I think you know. Mm, and you certainly have. I have to say, you're fantastic, honestly. And so, I've only been looking at you for a, a number of days now ahead of our conversation today. But I am a yeah, subscriber yeah. now, and I will be following you. And I'd love to talk to you again. I really would on the show. You're great. Okay, and will you just yeah. tell listeners before we go where they can uh, subscribe and and you know access all this wonderful advice. Well, to just Google Google my name, Terry Gorry, G-O-R-R-Y, uh, they'll find any amount of stuff there online on Google and so on. I have a website there, businessandlegal.ie, but uh, if they just Google my name, all of the things will come up like Facebook and YouTube mm. and Instagram and the whole lot. So just set, stick my name in and, and uh, I'm all over the place. I'm like a cheap suit. I'm all over the place there. I'm like a rash, you know, <laughs> uh, in, the, in the search results. So there you go. In the best possible sense, may I say, absolutely, Terry. Absolutely. absolutely. Look, it, works, it works for me. So. <laughs> it does indeed. You're a fantastic guy. Great to talk to you today. Hi, See Thanks. you soon. Take care now. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. That's Terry Gorry, solicitor there. Do check him out, folks. He is simply terrific. <laughs> Nelly Furtado, say it right on late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Hey, young one, you could be in the money. You could be in the money. I will be in the money. See that phone you have in your yeah. hand? How old is that phone? Five years. Uh, what? 18. Yeah, five years. Could be in the money. Mm. You could, I would be in the money. You know, you could, you really Fantique. could be. Well, seriously, listen to this. The iPhone, mm. the first version of iPhone, 2007, now a little, going back a little more than your one there, um, was sold at auction. An iPhone, the very first iPhone, uh, 2007, was sold at auction. Listen to this. Just the phone in its box for $63,000. <gasps> wow. Or the equivalent is £52,000 sterling, so it's even more in euros. Yes, at auction uh, in the States, it was the original iPhone, the first to come out. But Louise, unlike yours, that has crack screens and sellotape and everything else <laughs> besides. Uh, sorry, I'm going to rain on your parade now. Um, this iPhone was bought by a lady called Karen Green in 2007. Uh, she left it. In why? the box, never opened it from why? 2007. She no friends? Don't ask me why. No, she's in your <laughs> other clan. She's in your other tribe. She is a hoarder. <laughs> why would you buy a fabulous iPhone, fi- which I'm sure was expensive to buy in 2007? Does it say the original price? Yes, I can actually tell you what it cost her. Let me go back there. Um, it cost her... At the time, hold on, hold on, why haven't I got that figure for you? Jeez, you put me on the spot now. Yeah, it cost her at the time $600. Ooh, which was a lot of money, in back, even more back then. $600 yeah. back then. So why would you go out and buy 600 for a phone in a box and leave it sitting there? Because 
that's just terrible. John Lowe will be telling us about her the next time he's telling you how to make money. John will be telling us it's an investment. She put it aside. She left it there. She never touched it. Perhaps the lady did think that at the time. Maybe Mm. she bought two of them, put one away and kept the other. Anyway, $63,000 from $600. That's some investment from 2007 to today. But it just shows you if you have an original version of an iPhone or anything like that put away. In its box. Yes. In it, it was never touched. It's, you know what I mean? It's immaculate. That's why that money you was You got anything in its, in, at home immaculate, never touched in its box. Bottle of whiskey. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, you win. <laughs> Bottle of whiskey. Bottle of whiskey. Thank you so much. I was set a new bridge cutlery. Does that count? <laughs> you can't eat it. <laughs> well, unlike your whiskey, it'll go in value. You can make your pancakes and sip your tea out of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the what you have there. Um, the whiskey, the whiskey, the, the Middleton whiskey mm. that I was so generously gifted. Remember I, the story? Mm-hmm. I opened the other one. I, opened, I had a bottle of Middleton worth a thousand euro, and I opened it one night to put a drop of red lemonade into, it and then discovered it was worth a thousand euro. And then you had a cold because I had a little bit of a cold. <laughs> then Nolan, because I got years previously as a must have had it 20 years and Noel and Valerie thanks to them again their kindness and they heard my story and they I have that Middleton I have a nice bottle of Middleton yeah that's would be something that I won't touch you know that's all <laughs> everything else I sort of use to be honest with you I wonder if anybody out there got an original something in a box I anything wonder. that could be could be worth something it may not you may not think it might be. It might be a Cabbage Patch Kid in yeah. its original box. Well, listen, uh, if you have and you listen to us today, do you have anything, yes, something that you got mm-hmm. or you bought years ago and you never opened and you mm-hmm. have it mm-hmm. set aside, let us know. Oh, it could be worth something. It could never be. Know. 086-1800-658. I think the answer to that, there's a listener into us already to say that the phone in question is that she got a present of one around the same time. Oh, you understand. She oh, bought okay. one. Thank yeah. you. Thank Did you for that. give it away? She bought one and then... <laughs> she's not re-gifted. Got a gift. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That She's a wise, wise she is woman. Wise, wise lady. Well done to you, Karen Green. And uh, good luck to you with the money you've made with that one at auction. But there you are. That seems to be the explanation. She bought one and then got one as a gift. So had one to put aside. Anyone with anything special put away that they bought that they never, ever opened? I'm sure there's people from their wedding days have. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text toasters don't count stay with us on late lunch <laughs> don't have to remind you that meal times can be armageddon for families children with different tastes i won't have that i don't like this mums and dads and people looking after children trying to cater to all tastes making different meals around dinner time and other times of the day oh look we know the story don't we anyway this may be the book we've all been waiting for it's called the fuss free family cookbook and its author kira atwell joins me on late lunch hi kira hi how are you well, I'm all the better for talking to you today and my listeners, I'm sure, are as well because talk about a gaping hole in the market for something that you have now filled. Well, listen, well done on this book. I've had it a few days. I've been through it front to back. But look, at you started in this whole area way back in 2014 when you set up the blog, My Fussy Eater. You're yeah. a mum. You have your own children. Um, it, I have to say to you, I think it's so on the money, this book. It's fantastic. You understand what I said there in the introduction. This is the way of the world, isn't it? In an awful lot of families. 
Yeah, so I think just after everything that's happened the last few years and we feel like, you know, we finally come out of all lockdowns and everything and now we're obviously hit with the cost of living crisis, even food shortages at the moment. And I think people are really trying to cut down on their food budget, on food waste and just making sure that everyone's eating the same thing or similar things and the parents as well are not spending hours in the kitchen every day cooking loads of different meals for everybody. And you've been through this, I know, with your own children. And mm. people will say, well, Kira, you know, you should say to people, start as you mean to go on. If you start, you know, by laying down the lawn saying, that's all you're going to eat, it's on the table, starve if you don't eat it. What do you say to that? I think it's maybe just a, a slightly old fashioned way of looking at feeding kids. Um, and that we have to be like a little bit more holistic about it nowadays. And a lot of kids have quite a lot of anxiety around food. And I think by forcing them to eat, we're actually just making it worse. We're making those problems greater long term. And I think we kind of have to meet children halfway. And, you know, you you, you got to realize we know what most foods look like, what they taste like, unless we go, you know, to a restaurant and have something totally new. But for kids, a lot of a lot of the times when you're putting food down in front of them, they might be seeing those combinations of foods or flavors for the very first time. And we have to remember that, you know, they're still very small. You know, there, there could be some anxiety around trying new things. So that's why I say we kind of have to meet them halfway rather than just serving up food how we might serve to ourselves. We have to think, how does it look to children? You know, is it visually appealing, first of all, because the first thing they're going to do is look with their eyes. And that's often when you get the I'm not having that. I don't like that before they've even tried it. So making food kind of visually appealing. And that's kind of what I'm doing in this book is that the idea is we're making one meal for the whole family. But there's lots of tweaks and different ways of serving it to kids that will just make them a lot more susceptible to to accepting the food. I see the way you've broken it down, you know, that you start with breakfast, of course, then the lunchtime, you go, you separate the meals, the main meal to weekday and weekend meals. And then, of course, you have Mm -hmm. soups, salads, snacks, etc. I take it that the hundred recipes in this book are all uh, field tried, tried and tested. Several, several times. Yeah. (laughs) What I I'm you know obviously when the recipes are going in a book you want to make sure you know that book once it's printed it's there forever you want to make sure that they're right that you know that everything's working so I test them a lot um my family actually gets to the point where they're sick of eating the same things probably for a couple of months on end because I keep <laughs> testing them and the other point you make as well and particularly about your yourself and about parents and carers and uh, guardians of children in general. The the person or persons pre- preparing the food, like yourself as a mum, at times actually disregard their own uh, eating and nutrition. Yes, and that was kind of like another um, purpose of the book. So, you know, I found from myself and from speaking to a lot of parents, you spend so much time, so much energy thinking and worrying about what the kids are eating or not eating. You don't necessarily put that same energy into yourself and your own health and well-being. So the idea of this book was to, first of all, you know, everyone eats one meal together in the evening. You cook once for everybody, but also that you know that the meals that you're cooking are healthy. They're nutritionally balanced, you know, calorie wise, they're all good um, so that you don't have to worry. Oh, is, is this healthy? Should I be eating this? Everything in the book is very, very balanced. 
And in your particular case, and you you, uh, put your cards on the table, you said you were someone who was a yo-yo dieter, uh, but you make it very clear that this book has nothing to do with diets at all. And yet, by, you know, living by this book for for the various meals, you lost £60. Yes, yes. So I kind of found myself uh, in the middle or towards the end of the first lockdown, just being quite burnt out, just physically, you know, like mentally, like most parents having the kids at home, homeschooling, trying to work, you know, manage everything that was going on. And I decided to kind of take a better look at what I was eating. And again, that comes back to my point of, you know, putting all the time and energy into the kids and their food and not really doing that for myself um so yeah I just started looking a little bit closer about the meals I mean I always cooked a lot at home but maybe you know I wasn't so considered about how much oil I was using or you know how much cheese I was putting on top of a lasagna or something and actually those little tweaks can make a massive difference you know over the course of a week a month and and several months and that's what I mean by everything is very um balanced in the book that you can have all of your favorite meals you know really good home cooked comfort food but it's it's just a little bit considered in terms of the ingredients that go in and also the quantities now it's all about uh, the fuss free family meal times this book is is uh, aimed at but you, you have uh, early on in the book a dedicated uh, a couple of pages to fussy eaters in particular and I might just pick mm. up on a couple of the points you make there uh, you know for people listening today who are driven mad by children who just are very hard to feed small por- portions what what do you mean yeah. small portions there Again, I think we forget sometimes, especially if you have a young child, you know, maybe three, four or five, not plating them up a massive amount of food, because if it's not something that they necessarily love, it can be really overwhelming. I think we have a habit as parents of like loading their plate full of food because we just want them to eat. We want them to eat as much as possible. Um, And, you know, so that we're only giving them maybe an evening meal that they're not constantly snacking. But for a child that's fussy or a little bit anxious around food, it can be so overwhelming to just give them a massive portion. So I always recommend, especially with something they're not too sure of, a new food, just give them a very small portion to start with. And it it, it just reduces the anxiety when they arrive at the dinner table and there's not that massive portion in front of them. Um, Another trick I recommend with that is if you are serving up something new or something that you know they're not so keen on, serve it along something that they do like. So it could even be like if, you know, if you're making a new pasta dish, uh, you could give them half a sandwich on the side of it. And I know that kind of sounds a bit crazy, but it really does work because, you know, if they're seeing a little bit of a cheese sandwich or something, oh, I like that. I'll definitely eat that. Again, it reduces the anxiety about the new food, the new pasta dish or the new pasta sauce, whatever it may be. They'll eat the sandwich and then they may be more inclined to to try a little bit of the pasta. Mm. And you say time of day and timing when they're fresher is very important. So important. So I call it front loading food in the day. And I found when my children were young, this was really important, like when they were in nursery and kind of the early years of primary school. Because by the time they come home from school, they're just so tired, like physically, mentally, they're absolutely exhausted. And I think as parents, we put um we put a massive emphasis on the evening meal, you know, like eating together at five or six o'clock. But by that time, a small child is really, really tired. And it's just not the time to be serving up massive portions of food or definitely not the time to be getting them to try something new. So front loading is what I recommend for younger children. So serving them bigger meals at breakfast, at lunch, 
And then maybe on the weekend when they're a bit fresher, they're a bit more energized, that's when you can kind of have a bigger evening meal or even start to get them to try new things. Involving them. I love that. And it is uh, quite an important aspect as well if you're baking, I know, but also in preparing veg and stuff like that. It, 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 they buy in then more so, do they? Absolutely. Like even simple things you can get like um, kids safe knives now you know, and get them to help you chop some veggies while you're prepping. I know not every day it's going to work. I know myself sometimes the stress trying to get a meal on the table in the evening when you've been working and you've been popping in and out of the house, collecting them from school and clubs. You know, it's not going to work every day. I know that's not realistic, but maybe one or two days a week, just get them in the kitchen, even prepping a sandwich, you know, just talking about food, um, just just making a part of the conversation. Yeah, and I love the way you've uh, gone international with the 100 dishes as well. You don't hold back. You know, there's Italian in there. There's recipes from the Far East all over. Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays we're so lucky we can get so many amazing ingredients in the supermarket. And, you know, it's it's not like when I was growing up where kind of spaghetti bolognese actually was quite exotic. I think in the (laughs) 80s in Ireland, (laughs) even pasta, you know, a lot of people didn't eat pasta in Ireland for a long time. But I think now we're so lucky with what we're able to to get with the food that is available to us. And I think opening kids up to that as early as possible is fantastic. And you don't hold back on the sweet side of things either. There's some beautiful, uh, you know, treats in there also. So you look at it as a balance across the, the board. As you, I'm coming back to that point again. It's yeah. not about, you know, chasing calories or cutting down on calories. No, I mean, overall, you know, the, the science is there. You know, if you're trying to get healthier or lose weight, whatever it may be, you know, it, it is about calories in and out. But I think when you actually look into your food, you realize how much that you can eat, you know, with your calorie allowance. And again, it's just about choosing the right ingredients. So, yeah, I've got a lot of sweet treats in there, but a lot of them will use ingredients like Greek yogurt. So I make fudge brownies with Greek yogurt. I make a lemon cake with Greek yogurt. So it's bulking out uh, those uh, treats, but really kind of low, low calorie, but also highly nutritious ingredients. Mm, Love your weekend meals, I have to say. You really uh, put the five star into those. Yeah, so I I've div- I divided the main meals into weekday and weekend. Mm. So the weekday meals take 30 minutes or under to prepare and cook because I know what it's like myself as a parent. Like during the week, you just don't have loads and loads of time to spend in the kitchen. So they're divided up for ease so that, you know, if you have a bit more time at the weekend, that you, you can cook something from that chapter. <laughs> Uh, I, I come back to where I began. I, I think it's a terrific book and it, it meets a need in the marketplace as well with so many people struggling with fussy eaters. It's lovely. It's really well put together. The photography is beautiful in it as well. And the recipes are just fantastic from start to finish. It's called the Fuss Free Family Cookbook by Kira Atwell. Great advice and the recipes in there. And it's available right now. I wish you well with it. Thanks so much for having a chat with me Thank today. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Kira Atwell there. The Fuss Free Family Cookbook. Would you like the Fuss Free Family Cookbook? Let me think about that. Let's have a break. Fuss Free Family Cookbook by Kira Atwell. I'm keeping it. <laughs> I'm not Can't. I'm not giving it to any. Can't do that. I'll give it to you. 
no, you, but you can't do that. You said before the break, you give it away. I think about it. You can't go back and say, no, I'm not, this, not giving it away. This, this pancake making it. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> you saying I can't cook, Actually, yeah, you? pancakes. I was asked this morning, would you believe I got a call this morning? Somebody said, by the way, was Louise's pancake really lovely? I said, it genuinely was lovely. And I tell you that honestly, I got a call this morning. And you made more yesterday evening and you were flying out. You'd one little accident. I did, it was. You'd one oh. little accident. It was terrible, wasn't it? Uh, I but, sent you a picture. But listen, don't worry. You, you, I put you in the same league <laughs> as the future Queen of England. Not Camilla. Not I Camilla. I'd Camilla. never put you in that league. <laughs> no, excuse me. It's Catherine. Catherine, the next queen. Uh, I put, because she, did you see her on the television last night trying to make a pancake? <laughs> it's like scrambled eggs. <laughs> That was mine last night. So well, yeah. one. She only had one little accident. You're allowed that. You made loads and they were scoffed at by everybody and everybody loved them. Oh, sure, I will. You know Go me. On. I'll give the book away. I will. Does anyone want this? Have you fussy eaters in your family? Here's the question. I have to, it has to be a question with it. What type of food is linguine? What type of food is linguine is the question. 086 658 like <laughs> by WhatsApp or text. That's 086 658 by WhatsApp or text for, for Kira Atwell's book. Answer the question, what type of food is linguine? And don't give the answer away. I thought you were going to say it. You remember that famous blue? No, it's not a fish. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not a fish, folks. So don't send in fish, Annie, for God's sake. Anyway, I want to say uh, commiserations to all Liverpool fans today. Oh, even I know that result was terrible. Ouch. 2-0 up. They gave... Madrid, Real Madrid gave Liverpool a two-goal lead. It was like school by playground stuff. And they absolutely thrashed them 5-2. 5-2. Hammered them. Bait them. You know what out of them. They'll not come back from that. There's a second leg in three weeks in Spain. They have to go out there and play the second leg. They're not going to come back, are they, from that? I do not think so. Not a what chance. What would they have to win by in the next leg? To They'd to have win to win. To go through, they'd have to win 4-0. Okay. You know what I mean? 4-0. They're not going to win 4-0 in Madrid. That's a mass, massive ass. Now, maybe they'll maybe they'll, they'll do it, but I just don't think so. I don't think so. Liverpool fans are smarting today. That's the word, smarting. Our Danny phoned in to say, Jerry, don't forget the European Cup final. Liverpool were 3-0 down at half-time and won the cup. They did indeed, Danny. You are so right. So perhaps I'm a little presumptuous to write them off. We mentioned about uh, people having things that they never open in the context of the lady with the original iPhone that sold for $60,000 the weekend Eddie says I have a 1964 bottle of Faustino 1 would it be worth anything who knows I have a dozen Pro V1 golf balls from the 2006 Ryder Cup unopened says Richard well done to you here's another one from Tina I have a Crolly doll still in its box original untouched 40 years old. You see that? People do have things. We have to come back to that on the show for sure. Now, going along to see Declan Nerny in the uh, Anton Theatre in Dundalk. Uh, Drumlish was the answer I was looking for. That's the uh, title of the song and where he was born. Is Damien Russell from Killani and Liam O'Neill from uh, Drumcar. Well done to both of you. Tickets on the way to you to go to that gig at the Thon this week. End. Enjoy. And the book. Yes, I am giving away the Fuss Free Family Cookbook. And I asked the question, what is linguine? It's a pasta, of course. The book's on its way to Fiona McManus. Well done to you. And I know you will make good use of it. Indeed. Thanks to everybody who entered our competitions on late lunch this afternoon. Now it's time for this. 
Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number three from this week in 1988. And this fella, I have to say, I interviewed this guy on Late Lunch. I did indeed. And he was huge at the time. He had many big hits. But this particular song is at number three this week in 88 and went no higher. It stayed at number three and slipped down the UK charts then. It was a big number one in America. Here he is. Let's enjoy him. It's Mr. Billy Ocean. Yes, Mr. Billy Ocean, number three in my top five countdown. News just emerging from RTE. Dave Fanning is to step back from his weekend radio show to pursue other products, uh, projects, should I say. Watch this space. RTE Gold, I believe he's uh, heading towards as well. Legend Dave Fanning. But that news just emerging more and on. Um, Graham was on to say, all the Liverpool lads are crying at work today, Jerry. I'll oh, give them tissues, Graham. You know, let them dry up their tears. You know, as Danny says, they could do it. They could come back. Who knows? And another one there coming in to me. Jerry, I heard you bought something that you kept and never opened. It's your wallet. <laughs> I'm going to get you, I promise you. My wallet is never closed. That's the problem, let me tell you. It's not a problem. It's the way to be. Anyway, final break of the day on the way. It is Ash Wednesday and we're going to finish the show today in the company of Father Paddy Rush. I'm delighted to welcome him back to studio on Ash Wednesday. Father Paddy Rush, PP of uh, Monaster Boyce, etc. Thank you for joining me again. Jerry, it's wonderful to be here with you again. It is, it is. It's been a while. It's It's been a while, but we've kept in touch on the phone for sure. You're wearing your ashes. You have ashes with you today. It is Ash Wednesday, 40 days plus into Easter. What about this time? What what, what is it all about? What do you say to us today that these 40 days can do for people? Well, I'd love to give everybody a, a positive message. What I really want to say is well, hello to everybody, first of all, and thanks again for having us on. Um, I suppose it's just that idea that, you know, we, we, I was reflecting on this over the weekend because it was on Sunday, Temperance Sunday, and I was thinking about the drug situation in our community, you know, and there is there are drugs in our community. I'm thinking of our young people who are so influenced uh, by these things and in danger of, of, of their lives just becoming so dependent on these things, which many people can cope with. You know, if that's what people choose to do and they're, they're coping with it. But the ramifications of all of those choices affect so many others. And the, the idea of well-being today is very big, it's very strong. And I suppose the well-being is is this this is what Lent's about. It's about our spiritual well-being. And if we get that inner place in order, we can then start to send out ripples and waves of positive change to, to the world. And, and that's where it begins. We can't do anything about Ukraine or Turkey or, or the, the, the war of attitudes between peoples, racism and so on and so forth, out there. But we can do something inside ourselves and we can then send that to others. And so it's an interior journey first, Jerry. That's that's what I'd be saying to everybody listening. Let's try and work on what do I need to change in myself to become a better person, a kinder person, a more generous person, a more loving person, and then try and, and push that out to others. And it might mean a little challenge or two. Maybe we need to give ourselves a little kick every so often. I know I need a kick every so often to 
you know, try something different or to get out of a rut or to get onto a different track. But if we can get that, and if we can be that to others, I think that's that's a really help. And we all know how insp- inspirational people can be. We, you know, we hear, you hear those stories every day, Jerry, yes, on on this show, how inspirational people can be. And but we have to internalize that, and then make the change ourselves for whatever our journey it's is. It's very important you say those words because I often despair. I you know I'm in the middle of it here myself. I read, I, I look, I listen as well, and I look at this world. I've said this to you before, and it would be very easy just to really get down in the dumps and in your boots with all that's going on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because this morning's Mass, I was praying Mass this morning and the the beginning of the prayer, because uh, we went straight into the Mass, there was no penitential rite because that happens later on because of the blessing of ashes. But um, the, the words were, as we take up battle against spiritual evils, may we be armed with the weapons of self-restraint. I just thought of that language and I was thought, thinking of the two guys who were speaking yesterday in the world, Putin and Biden. And they were talking not about these kind of weapons, they were talking about real weapons that can kill and maim and destroy. These weapons are the weapons of, of building ourselves up, of, of making a change. And we can do it and we can, we can make the change. We have to be hopeful for the future. It can be very hard when you're faced with all that people are faced with today, whether mm. it be Turkey or sickness, Jerry. I mean, I'm bowled over by how many people, many of whom listening maybe today, who have sickness in their lives, and whether it be their, themselves or their families. And it's just horrific. And I believe that we, the, the Christian message is that God is with us in all of these struggles and that God gives us the, the I hate to use the word again, but the weapons, the, the tools we need to get through, to build up our trust, to build up our community, to strengthen the bonds that we have. While other things are pressing against us and pulling us apart, it's the grace of God that brings us together and it's that internal stuff that we have to work on more and more yes don't forget about the external stuff get into inside ourselves that's where true well-being true progress true uh, conversion Mm. will really happen so besides that, you'll hear, and we started the show today saying, you know, what we we're going to do ourselves, Miss and Louise, for Lent and other people. <laughs> you know, people give up, take up, do things, you know what I mean? And it manifests like that. But what you're saying is the essence. Oh, absolutely. And it actually, I came across it at something I was preparing for, for today. The Pope himself was, was saying, the first thing he says, we need to listen to Jesus as he speaks to us into each of our souls and our hearts. He said, the Lord takes us to a place apart. He com- ordinary commitments compel us to remain in our usual places but during Lent we're invited to go to the high mountain in the company of Jesus and to live a spiritual discipline to do something within, internally, internally but it doesn't stop there if it only stops there it's for nothing it's only for ourselves that's not what Christianity should be about the ripple the, the ripple will come out. It'll affect how you treat your husband or wife or your son or daughter or your neighbour or your friend or the people who are of a different language, a different skin colour, a different um, ethnic or religious background. If we have that internal puzzle be- corrected or solved a little bit better each year, because we're never going to get there, Jerry. It's a bit like, you know, the, the, the mountaintop. We never 
fully get to the mountaintop. But keep going, keep going up that. And you mentioned something there as well that's a big issue as well. You know, we are trying to help as best we can people fleeing war, people fleeing persecution in other parts of the world as well. And it's a topic at the moment that divides. You talk about, you know, the two. Um, But at the end of the day, this is a Christian time length, but it's a time for everybody. Well, that's why I say the 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 well-being message is there in a sense that everybody, all of us, could do with a little bit more fasting. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at my, my tummy here, Jerry, which I'm looking forward to reducing over the course of the the Lenten time. Um, so fasting or alms giving, which is our trocro boxes, that's gone to goes to people who are in deep need. Mm. I mean, many people here are in need, and there are many people answering that need, but our needs can often be very minor compared with yes. the needs of other people yes. who have shelter, food, yes. uh, you know, homelessness, etc., etc. Um, so, yeah, our it, this period can be, can touch many people. Mm. In, in different and, ways. and as Christians, we touch many people as well. And there are many people listening to us today who are not of the Christian faith, who have no faith as well. Of course. What do you say to those people? Well, uh, interesting. I'm, I'm very interested to see what's happening in Scotland at the moment because you know uh, the the this successor of uh, Nicola Sturgeon, one mm. of the, one of the ladies, is a very committed Christian, and mm. and another person is a committed Muslim. You know, and uh, I just think it's wonderful that. But they're under they're under scrutiny for their for their faith uh, commitments. You know, and yeah, sometimes your your faith does challenge you in certain ways. But I think that. There's a there's a fundamentalism, if you, excuse me for using that word, yes. fundamentalism about all these aspects, which means we're human beings, we're connected together, we have to live in this planet, we have to live in this place, and we can we can do better together. Yes. No matter what our differences, differences enrich life; they don't diminish it. But only if we respect, and we tolerate, and we collaborate and we understand and seek to grow together. It's not about competitive stuff or destructive things. It's about building up, coming together, being a, a community which is different and beautiful. Mm. Uh, Lovely words, so, and they're very important words to dwell on as well today. We've about a minute left. What would you like to say to people today before you leave us, just well, with I this just Lenten to, message? Well, I just want to wish everybody every blessing for Lent. No matter what you're doing, even if you're you're trying to make small changes in life, or the big ones that maybe people, I'm conscious people are giving up maybe alcohol or cigarettes or battling with drugs, Whatever your challenge, to know that the Lord is with you, that the Lord gives you the grace that you need to make that change. And if we collaborate with him and we seek the help of others, whether it be asking somebody to say a prayer for you, and I know a lot of people are doing that for others, or just be there to check in with you and see how you're doing. Uh, I think together we can all be better after our 40 days. Father Paddy Rush, great to have you back face to face in studio again, with us today. Thank and you so much for your your presence and all that you do, uh, yourself and Louise and the whole team here. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much here. indeed. And thank you for those lovely words today to finish off our show on this Ash Wednesday. Father Paddy Rush, thank you indeed. That's it on Late Lunch this afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive. We'll be back with a Thursday show from 1.30. We'll see you then. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 